So just so you know, folks, we're having minor technical difficulties again. We just did our, our little clap thing to intro things, and my gosh, the delay. The delay was... Yeah. <laughs> so for some reason, this is... I do not understand why this is the case, um, but uh, my Wi-Fi is now working. Uh, last week, I um, recorded with my uh, cell phone hotspot, and... Uh, <laughs> This week, my Wi-Fi is working, but the uh, the Ethernet cable that plugs into the wall in my room is not working, which makes no sense. But, you know, I'm not a lightningologist. I don't know how these things work, uh, but still causing a mild amount of chaos in the parish. So there you go. I mean, here's the thing. I think you mm -hmm. just need to be uh, there's, there's, you know, I know you don't know lightning and everything, but I think there's a simple solution to all this. What, what is that? Be holy enough so that lightning doesn't strike your church. Clearly, God's judging you. You know what? It goes to show because normally I stay up and uh, I keep vigil at night and I pray the office of readings and such. So at 3 a.m. I'm usually wide awake and praying. But that night I slacked off. So the force field went down, got struck by lightning. That's what happens. And, you know? and, and yeah, that's what happens, right? And God, uh, God, uh, you, yeah, you, you stop doing your job. It's also God's way of saying, like, wake up. Yeah, I mean, it's really a mercy I'm thankful for. You know, he, he reminded me right. that, Anthony, you need to stay awake from 1 to um, 3 a.m. and pray or else you go to hell. So I'm just going to warn you with this lightning strike. And I appreciate that, you know, yeah. from our it's, it's kind of love God. for you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes, indeed. Um, okay, so with that out of the way, uh, yeah, life's kind of getting crazy busy again for some reason. It's like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I thought summers were supposed to be quieter in parishes, but they're not. <laughs> It wasn't for, um, all good for us either. Yeah, weird. It's weird. It's weird. But summer's like, over now. School has started. Summer's dead. I, well, okay. actually, no, 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 no. That's not true. School has not started yet. I mean, for us, it has. Yeah, but that's because you guys are crazy and weird. And who goes to school in August? I don't know. Ave Maria Academy. There's. Uh, yeah, I hear the children playing outside for recess, and they're already learning stuff. About I Jesus yes, and math. We, start, we start on the Tuesday of Labor Day. I'm sure we've talked about this before. It's just so it should weird start after Labor Day. Uh, Absolutely, it should. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. It just makes sense. Um, but uh, some one thing that was good this past week was finally I uh, was able to figure out a way I could afford to hire a part-time custodian, which is like so desperately needed, <laughs> like like insanely mm -hmm. needed. And so we hired a guy named Darren who is also a listener of the podcast, but that is not the reason I hired him. Uh, there are other good reasons. I, this would actually be a demerit against someone usually. Oh, yeah, so, absolutely. Would not trust anyone yeah, who I think, to this I, podcast. I would say, man, they must have bad taste and things. I don't know if I can trust them cleaning toilets. Mm -mm. Absolutely not. So, but uh, no, no. So, they're I mean, so, I, used, I, they're so, so used to the garbage and trash of his <laughs> podcast, the filth. <laughs> exactly. How can they tell exactly. the difference? Exactly, exactly. This is that was going through my brain. No, but I'm very excited about this. He starts today, so once we're done recording here, I have to go run off and get a couple things and head straight to the office. It's going to be a very uh, yeah. Today is one of those days where it's um, I woke up at four thirty and I'm going pretty much nonstop till ten p.m. tonight. Woo! But well, I'm squeezing the people in because I love them. That's and great. I love our podcast, and I want that's so to try good. To be faithful so there. Pastoral. I've actually. I, you know, I've been very good about scheduling even, like, thesis stuff. I wrote about 5,000 words last week, like, very, very rough, but I wrote 5,000 words last week, which I'm very happy with. Yeah, that's a lot I of words. spent an hour just before the podcast here. I wrote another 750 words. So, like, I got a lot of editing to do and proper footnoting and go through my notes and stuff like this. But I'm like, oh, I'm actually making so some progress. This feels nice. This is, like, this feels good. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. I, haven't, I can't remember the last time this, this felt good. So... Of course, it's probably also that's when you probably like once you edit it and everything, you submit it to your supervisor. Like this is all crap, redo it all. That's I mean that could be the answer, yes, but I, somehow I doubt all of it will be crap. Yes. Well, who knows? Whomst is to say, mm, not me, as the kids say. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, that's kind of what's going on with me. That's all I'm going to say for now. So welcome to clerically speaking. I'm Father Harrison. I'm Father Anthony. My day is going to be super chill. After this, I'm pretty much done. I'm going to head off for my day off and uh, play some video games with a buddy of mine down in West Virginia. And speaking of video games and Catholic things. Virginia. Sorry. Yeah, they're, they're, they're Pittsburgh uh, expats, and they're down in West Virginia. Now. Okay. Um, okay. Anywho, so last night I was playing video games, as is my want, around you know, 9 p.m. It's video game time. And uh, 
jumped on a stream, a Catholic stream. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's called the Catholic Gaming Network. It's run by a, a okay. good bunch of people. They they stream all kinds of games and stuff. And I was on there with uh, a buddy of mine who uh, does not listen to the podcast. As a matter of fact, he is pretty sure that podcasts, blogs, and substacks are all mortal sins, which I respect that opinion. Um, but he is, like you, Father Harrison, working on his doctorate. Now, his doctorate is is stupid, something really irrelevant. I think it's on Thomas Aquinas, which <laughs> who cares oh, yeah. about Thomas Aquinas? <laughs> There's so much writing on Thomas Aquinas, and he also does straw, so there's nothing meaningful to say there anyways. Absolutely. Why are you even Who bothering? cares about Thomas Aquinas? It is 2023. Pick a new theologian. Come on. Exactly. Read, a, read another book. Uh, but I will give this. I will give him this. He's a smart guy, knows the faith pretty well, uh, just misdirected in his studies. That's all. That's fine. And so uh, he was fielding questions, and I was jumping in myself uh, with stuff. We, we solve the problem of evil, among other questions and stuff. Um, yeah. But it's uh, it's a pretty chill place, the Catholic Gaming Network. I'm just shocked that they got that name. Um, but yeah, if you just Google that, you'll find their Twitch, YouTube, and all that stuff. And it was it was chill. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun, apart from the heavy theological questions, which also was very fun. But uh, good group of people over there. So what, that's their shout out. You, what were you? Uh, what were you uh, playing? What game? I was playing Destiny Two, the the game ah. that I am utterly addicted to. I just came out with a new season. Uh, so we were just grinding through some of that, shooting up aliens, talking about theology. Good times. Mm-hmm. We're had by all. Nice. Yeah. Um, do you want to like just somehow spiritually communicate some of your spare time to me today? No, I'm not that holy. I'm going to just keep all of that to myself. Mm-hmm. Again, this yeah. is how grace works. I'm gonna gobble you up can, all that me, you free can, time. You can you can give you can give me your free time. Mysterious. You, you know what? That's uh yeah. I'm not gonna ever take that <laughs> risk. My faith is isn't strong enough. I'm sorry. Speaking of people whose faith is not strong enough, time for some theological emergencies. Thank you for calling Clerically Speaking. If this is truly a theological emergency, please dial one at any time. Hi, I flushed my goldfish down the toilet, and I wanted to know, is that a sin? Theological emergency. We'll take your call at 412-912-7995. Yeah, I like it. (laughs) Throwing people under the bus before we hear their questions. (laughs) Exactly. That is the clerically speaking way. Uh, all right, let's find let's find one here. Hi, my name is Odalis. Yes, that is my real name. And I have a question regarding prayer. Um, essentially, I wondered if there is a hierarchy of prayer. For example, um, if we pray Liturgy of the Hours, does that mean, and, I, and I'm a mom, and I can't find time to pray the rosary in the day, does that mean that I am doing any less? Um, should I find more time to pray the rosary or should praying liturgy of the hours be enough or should I stop liturgy of the hours and only pray the rosary there? I asked because there is a lot of importance given to the rosary. And so I wondered if there is a hierarchy in praying one over the other. Thank you so much. Bye. I mean, first who's named after a city. So obviously not her real name. Um, but I mean, it's, it's cities in in uh, Texas are basically they're basically states of themselves. Texas right. is so massive that each like city is. Um, I mean, Texas is basically a country, and each city is basically a state within it. So it's 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 a little bit more than a city, you know. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that the population of Texas is more than Canada. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, I don't know, I know math or like, stuff. I mean, I actually, um, okay, I got to effort this quickly. Uh, because that being said, Dallas is totally a fake actually, name. No, That's not it's real. Actually, it's actually, actually just slightly less. Actually, it's just, just slightly, slightly less. less. By about 5 million people. There's your fun fact for the day. There you go, folks. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, why aren't you praying the whole liturgy hours? Going to a daily mass, praying or by mercy chaplain, doing a holy hour. Because if you don't do these things, you're not going to be a saint. Not kidding. Uh, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to add to any uh, maternal anxieties that moms might have around, you know, raising family and stuff. All right, serious answer. Actually, I would actually. I personally, I'd actually give more importance. Anyways, like, there not is there a hierarchy? 
sort of, I'd say, uh, sort of. Um, it, it's there is, I think, in the life of the church, devotional prayer is always rooted first and foremost in liturgical prayer, and any devotional mm-hmm. prayer that kind of, and this is all the church document stuff. Um, devotional prayers must be always kind of liturgically rooted, and so liturgy mm-hmm. always has a pride of place in our in our life of prayer, in our. Um, and so I would actually say liturgy hours more. This is gonna be weird to say. People are gonna like. I, I feel. I feel like we're gonna get angry for saying this. Liturgy hours more important than rosary. Oh, absolutely, it is. That being said, but, but not, also... but not, but not in a competitive sense. Like not in a competitive sense, right? Exactly. So like, yeah. Because it's better doesn't mean this. Because it's more important in a way. The life of the church does not mean that we can't, shouldn't, or there's no spiritual value to the rosary. Right. But also, you know, um, if you're not obligated to pray it, pray whatever helps you to pray. You know, if, yeah, if exactly. liturgy hours is doing it for you, pray liturgy hours. If it's a rosary, like you're not obligated to do this as a layperson. Exactly. So like you are free to pray however you want. Um, make yeah. sure you go to mass on Sundays. Um, so like I, I wouldn't want like to because you we can be we can turn prayer into uh, a video game, in which case we want to do like the hardest quests to get the most XP so that we go uh, to meet Jesus at the end game sort of thing. Like, and that's not how prayer is supposed to work. So there's the, always this right. temptation to say like, what is the best thing? And that will drive you utterly insane. Uh, the best thing is what God wills for you. And you can tell what God wills for you in prayer um, by the fruits that it's bearing. Um, mm-hmm. Also, the rosary is, is, is rooted in liturgy in the sense that the rosary is basically the poor man's liturgy of the hours. Um, exactly. it's, yeah, yeah. it's modeled off the Psalms um, with the 150 um, Hail Marys and that sort of thing. Um, and, so, and all the yeah. mysteries are, are different feasts of the church, right? So that's liturgically mm-hmm. rooted generally, um, yeah. or most of them are feasts of the church at least. Or they, they, they yeah, appear still the life of Jesus like, and Mary. They all so. have, they all have, yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. So, um, yeah. yeah, I agree with you. It's like whatever's working, that's a good place to be. And you shouldn't feel the need to have to do both necessarily, um, especially if you're a mom. Mm-hmm. Like, like you know, maybe like one, here's, here's an idea. You know, taking this question, this particular question, because you know, sometimes emergencies mm-hmm. need a particular care. You know, oh, a particular um, answer. With the person mm-hmm. in front of us, you know. Oh, beautiful. What if, like, okay, you know, what if? Okay, you're. Let's say. So it sounds like you prefer doing liturgy of the hours. This is great. This is good. You're also. This is also good. Why not maybe pray decade of the rosary with your family? Yeah, something like that. Right. That's that's a nice way to do something of the rosary. If it's something you're feeling a, a pull towards and you're wanting to do. And it's also something you can integrate your kids with and the rest of your family. And it's nothing long, so it doesn't distract the, the kids too much. And it, it's, and then it might, and because kids, it's, I mean, depending on their ages, obviously, if they're teenagers, it may not be the case, but three or four year olds, they might want to start doing it more because you do it, right? And that's, and that's, and then that's part of your paternal, your, your maternal thing there is like, just, they're like, oh, yeah, we can pray more. Sure. Why not? Right. You're being a mom there. That's a great thing, but you're not having to like, do a whole rosary every day either right because it's just kind of whatever happens spontaneously is a good thing so um you know but yeah give priority i I would say like i think we always have to make sure that whatever we're doing has a has some sort of like liturgical root in some way shape or form um Hmm. and so liturgy is always going to be the heart of everything but it's but good devotion will never be seen as um an opposition to liturgy but an extension of it yeah, and uh, especially with if um, just going back to that uh, more is more kind of thing, um, I've probably told this story before, but the, the rosary destroyed my prayer life in uh, seminary because I, being right. a, a zealous young man who had recently done the consecration um, to Mary, uh, said like, you know what the best thing to do is? Is to pray all four mysteries every single day. So the entire day was filled up with praying just rosary after rosary after rosary after rosary. And so much so that, like, I would ignore any promptings of the Spirit to pray in a different way. It utterly exhausted mm-hmm. my prayer. Prayer became, like, this task to complete. And uh, also, I never brought this up to my spiritual director, so that was bad, too. You know, um, doing more isn't necessarily better, and doing what is, you know, more liturgical isn't necessarily better for your private devotion. Um, now, of course, if you're a priest or religious or a deacon, you're obligated to pray liturgy hours, so you have to pray that. Like, at, definitely has to take priority. But if not, enjoy the freedom that God has given you to pray however um, He moves your heart to. So, don't stress about yep. it. Yep. All right. Want to do another one? 
Yes, we can do another one. Okay, let's see. That's an easy one, but I can make fun of Philadelphia. Uh... Hi, this is Rebecca from Baltimore. I was wondering if it's okay to attend masses at another parish and be part of that parish if you don't belong there. I go to that parish because they have a young adult group and my parish that I'm within the boundaries of doesn't. I would really appreciate your commentation on this. Thank you. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Um, parish story real quick. There was a, uh, a gentleman who had stopped by my parish and um, recent convert um, and uh, actually converted while he was in prison and uh, wanted to register at my parish uh, so that he could go to mass. And he wasn't going to mass because he wasn't registered at the parish. And I, of course, we registered him and everything. Uh, nice guy. I said, you're Catholic. You can go to mass wherever you want now. That's that's part of the deal. So make sure you go to mass. And if you can't make it to our parish, just go wherever, right? It just never occurred to him that, and also sometimes that, that Protestant mindset, I'm a part of this church, this building, therefore I have to go here. Sometimes that's a little bit, you know, uh, of that thing. So in a certain sense, yeah, you can go to mass anywhere. And as long as you're going to mass, I'm happy. Um, now the, the difficult thing is what if you're being spiritually fed at a parish that isn't within your boundaries? Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'll be honest, I'm a big lib on this one. I don't care. Uh, go to where you're being fed. I'm totally about all about this. I'm, I'm done with like, oh, cause guess what? Guess what? Father Harrison, you're going to say, wrong. you should help out. You, you're, this is what you're going to say. Wrong. This is what you're going to say. You're not you're pastor, gonna say, why. Wait till you're pastor. I don't care. Oh no, no, no. Cause you're going to say. Oh, that layperson then should help build up the parish. This is my hot take before we can get to yours. If you're if the pastor of the parish isn't a good pastor, there is nothing lay people can do to fix that. They will always be dragged down by wrong. the pastor who refuses. Absolutely. So wrong. There's oh nothing they can do. So wrong. The parish you will so be garbage wrong. until you get a better Funny. priest. That's oh my gosh, clericalism. You, you are garbage. You are garbage. <laughs> Darren, we need go to ahead, clean up ahead. on the podcast, please. Um, oh, my God. Okay. This is – I'm going to have to be careful with this one a bit just because it is something I am especially – not necessarily because of my own parish. Just some stuff going on in our own diocese. I, 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 am, I had a very long conversation with a friend about these questions last night, and he got mm -hmm. a rare experience. He saw – angry father harrison <laughs> which is so there are here's the thing if the people have let's let's say for example so no actually i, I think in this case i'm not i'm not absolutely against it okay i'm not absolutely against it. and i and maybe it's because i'm a smaller diocese so people know each other more and it's like there's not a lot of places to choose from in some places like even our mm -hmm. main city in victoria there's only five or six parishes total, right? Um, so we don't have a lot of places to choose from. And what happens generally is people just parish hop a lot, uh, whatever priest they like or whatever. Um, and I, my experience in the American church is that's just so much different. Uh, and I, I, so I also think, do think there's something about localness that's really important. I'm not going to go into right now, but, um, and the car has been ruinous to, to Western life in general. And, and we need to like destroy cars because, they have made us impossible to do this. Um, and the church's law has not taken the car into account yet, still, in my opinion. But that's all other stuff. Okay. Um, <laughs> so like, I think, I think, so again, in the particular question that's being asked, I would probably have no problem with it because that makes sense. Like, um, you are, it's not because, like, I also know, and I'm sure some of them even listen to the podcast. I know some people in my parish come to my parish and don't live within my boundaries. Um, mm hmm. So I do recognize that this is the fact. Um, I think for me, it's, are you choosing things because of your own preference only? Which can happen. And that's where I get a bit hotter take. Because the whole thing of being fed, for example, let's say you're in a parish where you've been fed for a long time and then you get a new pastor or whatever, and maybe he's not as good as the last guy. You're not fed as much as you used to be or whatever. And so you go somewhere else to be fed. My thing is, you've never been fed. Because if you were fed, you would, you would, you would have learned to have suffered the mediocrity of the church too, at times. 
uh, a good a good pastor feeds so that people internalize these things to love Jesus and to love the people because pastors come and pastors go, but the people are with the stability of the parish. Um, this this pastor worship has to stop. It has to stop. It's why I'm doing my whole charism thing in my parish. It's in many ways to remove pastor worship. I'm a decent pastor. I'm not saying this to boast. I just know I'm a half decent pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, I care, so that's usually enough <laughs> to be a half decent pastor. <laughs> um, um, but I recognize that some guys who come after me I may not be like that, and I need to set up my parish in such a way that, regardless of who's there. The people are the stability of the place, and and um, I mean maybe part of this, and, and so part of this too is is also we move pastors too much that it's hard to create that sense of stability with the people too. Um, so if you're moving pastors every six years, the people move too much because there's no stability with the pastor and the personalities change. But it's like the pastor's not; he has an influence, absolutely. But I think good pastoral leadership should influence things in such a way that when people, when it, when he has to move eventually, the stability of the parish, he's worked to create a stability in a parish in such a way that when he's gone, um, it'll be a transition for new people, for, for the new priest, obviously, and with the people. But they'll have such an experience of life in the parish with one another that that's what that's that's the that's the sense of the the remnant of the past. That's the, that should be the effect of a pastor. That he creates a place that people want to be, regardless of who their pastor is. Because it shouldn't matter that's, about the personality of the pastor. That's such a that's such a nice idea. Um, uh, okay, obviously, obviously, uh, a lot of weight goes into that word preference, right? And yes. I'm also against a a pastor who builds up a community on the force of his own personality. I've seen that happen. I've experienced that. It's bad. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. Um, but guess what, Father Harrison? I don't care how well you build up that community. When you leave, a priest can destroy it. Yes, he can. Simply by not supporting it. Even simply by not supporting it, he will destroy it. Um, and it might take longer, uh, but eventually that will... You, a priest can make or break a parish. Um, it can, you can't do it. You can't make a parish alone, but he can break a parish alone. Absolutely. And if you know, we're talking about you know preference. Okay, you might say like, okay, what if what if uh, this parish is doing liturgy in a way that is reverent, and this parish is not? Uh, the parish in my own boundaries is not. Is that preference? Like, is that should you have to suffer through that? Because guess what, people have to suffer through the church in yes, so many different actually. ways now. Yeah. I, I guess what that's welcome to being in the church. It's called suffering. Yeah, but they show people should also have a home where they can like be have some sort of comfort yes. and solace. And the best homes are the places where we suffer with one another, with and we remain with one another in the midst of the suffering. When we keep on yeah, moving because we're running away, we're running away from the freaking cross. Is what we're doing. Are we or or are we running yes, away we from abusive yes, fathers? Are. Are we running away from there? And should we not? Again, I'm not, I'm not being absolute about this, but I'm like, I think I actually think we've been now this, we're getting way beyond this question. Go to young adult yeah. parish. I'm fine with this. Honestly. Yeah. You're totally fine. fine. That, that go is to a master. particular need. Like, go, please go, go. Uh, <laughs> this opens up a can of worms for me, honestly. It's, it's mm. um, because again, like, again, like what are you saying to the previous pastor who worked his butt off to feed you so that you can grow closer to Jesus mm-hmm. so that maybe a cross is sent to you with the next pastor in some ways and your first response is to say I'm going somewhere else because I don't want the cross sure that's different than like okay so the next priest shows up isn't as charismatic because homilies are dry should you leave yeah. the parish no. no but but that's but what there's... people do that's what people do or his liturgy is just not that great but he's not bad either it's not like it's not like it's abusive and it's like liturgical abuse either um, and people leave all the time, but there's also, the there's also, me. I mean, apart from like the bad stuff, there is, it hurts me it, as a priest. Honestly, it hurts me. I get wounded by this, honestly, as you can tell, but you get, you get in hot yeah, absolutely. Here. But like, there's also this like you know, priest with a spirit of mediocrity that I don't think people need to have to deal with. I don't think so. If there's another option down the road where yes, uh, here's uh, the thing. A, I'm going to give you another point there. But then yeah. it's also on the reversal side too. There's also a spirit of mediocrity in the pews, and so we don't run away. We can't. 
Yeah, I just do so not why, think that so it's like most, a reverse. It's a reverse. It's a reverse clericalism. No, I do. I, I mean, this is where I am clerical. I really don't think if if a pastor does not care, if a pastor is mediocre, there is very little people can do in the parish to change that. Because I've, I've seen I'm not it. saying you change that. I'm not saying you change that. I'm saying that you are suffering with one. You have built friendships and bonds with people in such a way that you will suffer that with one another. You will commiserate together and you will remain because this is where your friends and your life is. I I just don't think that I like where I'm at now is like um, uh, that people have enough crosses that the churches need to give them more. I'm sorry. The churches need to give them more crosses. Okay. okay, but then give us better priests then. Right. Because guess what, folks? The, where do you think these priests come from? Yeah, and you know who most people who suffer from, from this right now are, are people with young families who would like to raise their kids Catholic and have nowhere to go. Yeah. And yeah so it's just to say, like, you know, you have to – also, like, yeah, yes, absolutely, families could be more open to vocations. A lot of families could. Uh, but a lot of families are, and it's also not their job to make priests. Who knows what, what God is, is going to – who he's going to choose and who he's not going to choose. Uh, I mm -mm, No, I, I mean, unless it's – it's like, if it's something, like, really petty, like, the new mu music minister can't play the organ very well, that's a bummer, but whatever. But it, it, I – a pastor who has a spirit of mediocrity, I don't think people need to put up with that. Um, but here's it, the thing. It, it has to be Let's discerned, be of course. Let's be but, frank. Yeah. Let's be frank. I mean, first, which priest in some sense of the word isn't mediocre? Okay, that's one thing. Okay, that's semantics. I'm not buying that. It's, it's, it's semantics, but it's just one thing. But second thing is, let's be honest, too. Bishops only have so many people, so many priests to choose from. Sure, yeah. And, and perhaps sometimes... I'm not saying this is a fact or anything, but maybe a lot of presbyterates are actually dominated by mediocrity. Mm -hmm. And so what are people supposed to do in that? Just go to the few parishes that have non-mediocre priests all the time? I don't think that's right. Because now you're also creating more work for those priests because people are mm -hmm. taken away from him. He doesn't have time to actually give as much as he can. And then I've, seen, I've even seen like good priests whose vocations are ruined because of this stuff, you know, because everyone goes to him uh, because he's the, he's, you know, he does good liturgy while he preaches decently. And everyone just wants to flock to him. And I get that to an extent, but then like, you know, he's our administrative duties are just so much bigger nowadays than ever they were before. Yeah. That he doesn't have time to breathe. And it's like we have to be careful about this. I just think we need to be I'm just trying to uh, this is something that hits very close to home for many reasons. Mm -hmm. Um but as you can tell, <laughs> um, and it's not it's not something from my direct experience like in my own parish, because we're in a city with two parishes. Like it's it's right. not like People have a lot of choice anyways. Um, um, and in fact, we've actually structured things between our two parishes, like our weekend mass times in such a way that you can't make one, you can go to the other. It, it's there on purpose. Um, I just think we have to be a lot more careful about overemphasizing the, the role of the priest for the life of the faith without actually putting effort within building up our own local community around in a parish because it's not just it's not just a priest problem it's a parish problem and so it means we also have to address the because i think sometimes the personality of a pastor or his mediocrity or or whatever it might be is can be too often used as an excuse for our unwillingness to actually want to engage locally in a parish and mm -hmm. we need to check i like i would be okay if people were like I can't be around this priest for these reasons after they've checked themselves in their own conscience to make sure they're not mm -hmm. using this as an excuse to say, because that's what happened. Like, I mean, I, I'm sure you experienced, I mean, you're a parochial vicar, so maybe not so much, but like, I get this all the time. Hey, Father, like, I'll give you an example. Like, cause I don't, I don't uh, because I don't, it's, like, it's, like, it's, not, it's not judgment. It's just like he, someone comes up to me in mass a couple weeks ago and shakes my hand. He goes, you know, Father, this intersection here is really dangerous after mass on Sunday with all the cars around and everything. I think you should talk to the city about this because this is a real problem. I said, I'm not going to talk to the city. I said, that's not my – I said, actually, you're a citizen of, of the city. And, and I didn't say it's like in a negative way. I was like trying to challenge, right? Yeah. And, and you, can, you can actually – you can call the city. You can, and you yeah, know absolutely. the situation better than I do. You you yeah. know it better than I do, and if you need our help to gain signatures for petitions so they can address this, I am the, you know let us know we will ha be happy to help that. But I'm not going to take the initiative on this, and this is a problem. Mm -hmm. It's like everyone looks to the priest to fix everything. They look to him to be dad, not father. Like mm -hmm. by that I mean like 
the person who's going to just intervene and fix all our problems us having to take responsibility for it. I think that that's part of it. So that needs to be part of the conversation, at least I would say. And mm -hmm. I don't, I think that part is lacking. And that's where I, that's where I get my, my, uh, my attendance go up on this question because uh, I think that part has been lacking. I've just seen it in my own diocese at times and, and it frustrates me <laughs> um, to no extent um, because I've also, because I've also seen, because here's the other thing. I have par we have parishes in our diocese that don't even have a pastor because we don't have enough priests. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they're doing great. And they're doing great. In fact, sure. like those, there's two, these two parishes deserve priests more than some of the other parishes in this diocese now because they have proven themselves that without a pastor, they are willing to take their own responsibility for the faith and build their own community and work out to, to bring, to proclaim the gospel, et cetera. That is a beautiful thing to me. And I think that needs to be, that is, that's a good thing. And it shows you that a pastor is not the be all end all of a parish at times. Like it, it, they're important, but they're not, but they're, but they're not, and we need shepherds and they have a leadership role. We need leadership. I, I get all this, but also it's, it's a, it's a, it's an ecclesial problem, not just a pastoral problem. Yeah, no, no, no. And I, I'm not disagreeing with you as much as I probably am sounding like I am. Um, but it's, it's, um, and I also, a lot of this is coming from my own wounds. I'm sick and tired of the church hurting me. And I, and if it's, yeah, if, yeah. You can, oh, if you can, if you can. So here, man. Same yeah, here. right. And so if like someone like can move a parish, like just go do it. I don't want this to, you know, I'm stuck, you know, there's a part of my obedience that means I'm stuck in whatever happens, you know? Um, all right. All right. But I'm going to just interrupt for a second here, actually. We're going to go straight to pastoral exhortations. I was going to do something else. This is going to be our topic. So I want to talk. Okay. I, I yeah. Okay. 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 Okay, right. good. <laughs> Since we're both yeah, fired up. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, so so I don't think that the, the priest is the end-all and be-all of a thing, but the priest um, is more of a... I'm trying to think of an image for it. Um, the priest does set limits for what a parish can be. Um, yep. So in the example that you gave, you know, the community that is faithful, and we see this throughout the church. We see it in, in um, communities, uh, in missionary territories, uh, where you know the most Africa, man. Or yeah, exactly. America, you know, generally, you have you have communities that are basically led by catechists uh, and yep. are incredibly faithful and don't get as much of the sacramental life as you know they deserve, um, and are beautiful communities of faith. Um, all you need is a self entitled priest to go there and, and crush the faith, um, mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be. It doesn't even have to. Like I said, this this, this is my problem. Like so much quote unquote, so much evil in the church happens from mediocrity more so than I mean not more so um but like a priest who just does his job mm -hmm. um so for example like you know the yeah the example that you gave that that community and god bless them because like, that's that's heroic faith in my opinion um mm -hmm. you, you get a priest who's a wet blanket spiritually speaking and not just like charisma um that could destroy that thing and i just seen I guess yeah. part of where I'm coming from is that I've seen like faithful people doing all they just kind of stopped by priest who isn't an evil person, who isn't uh, a malicious person, but is kind of ordinarily or not. Yeah, just mediocre is the best word I can come from, and that and that drives me crazy. Yeah. So it's two things. This is why I wanted to actually go into. To, um, mm -hmm. so I want to talk. I think it's important also to understand like, how priests get wounded and all this stuff, too. Like, yeah, because okay, yeah, I'm yeah, wounded, yeah. I am wounded. I am wounded by people leaving parishes that I've served, not because like anything I've done per se, but it like I'm like, well, then did the, everything I do there is chop liver. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, you say you're faithful, but you're not showing any fidelity by just jumping parish hopping to the point of like i'm not happy here anymore so i don't like this so i'm out mm -hmm. um it's tough because like i also see like it's not a i also see like, why people sometimes like a priest isn't addressing a like you know maybe something like a a, a kind of traumatic event hit the parish and the priest ignores it yeah. that is mm -hmm. that's just that's destroying like i so, saw like i have seen I have seen in my my priesthood and just very experiences, not just in the diocese, just like in priesthood in general. I've seen priests destroy parishes as you're talking about, and it breaks my heart. Mm -hmm. um, but are we not giving sin too much power? Mm. Right. 
when in the churches they're not mediocre priests. When in the churches they're not kind of the norm. It's pretty normal, right? And priests like so. It breaks my heart to see like like you know, and maybe and maybe it's something I can maybe something I have to reflect on too. Like okay, maybe my formation of people is such that. They yearn for these things now, but we never taught them how to endure the faith when they're not getting what they want or need, maybe from a priest. And, and um, maybe that's something we have. To, I have to work on. Um, it's kind of what I'm trying to do with our organization. It's like I want them to not care about who the pastor is in a way. Um, mm-hmm. The personality thing is not good. Like it's there's a personality worship today that's very dangerous uh, in the life of the church in the world. Like just there's this weird sense that. There's a collapse between person and office that is part of clericalism issue, but it's also part of why priests burn out and stuff like this because so much is placed on shoulders that actually is not needed. But also, like, and this gets yeah. to the other thing, it's priests bear a lot today. And I, I, what got me going with, with what you're talking was like wounds. And I think that's why I was like, I, was, I thought about talking about this, but I wasn't sure, but it's like, like I'm, like I'm wounded by the church too. Mm-hmm. I'm wounded by mm-hmm. mediocre priests. And 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 mm-hmm. I, listen again. I say this as someone who has. I recognize parts of my life. I'm still mediocre. I try not to be. I guess. Oh, yeah. And I think maybe that's the difference. Sometimes is like we're as long as you're trying not to be. That's the key. I think uh, that is an important part of it. That's pretty much. Yeah. That, that's pretty much it. But like, I I I you and I are aware of some friends who are dealing with an issue in their own parish around a mm-hmm. priest who did some pretty bad things and stupid things not like the usual abuse stuff but like other abusive things i could say yeah um or like the father alex Crow situation that's oh that's my god happening yeah in in alabama right and there is this i don't know i'm experiencing a sadness in my priesthood right now and so these things uh rile me up more mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because i honestly thought when i entered seminary that we were going to get through all this stuff from 2001 yeah, and it's clear to me that we've actually not learned any lessons, and nothing's mm-hmm. changing at all, and that we're going to have to walk on eggshells for the rest of our priesthood, and that breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. And there is a worry around if I don't deal with this situation as like the church and the world and lawyers demand. If I make because like even like I don't say this as a to begrudge necessarily like like church journalists for example like but like there's same times it's like well now we have to analyze every action and word this leader did to see if they mm-hmm. made a misstep and then hold them accountable for it because like, there is always missteps with stuff that are really bad like like in the Alex Crow situation i'm sure that the bishop made missteps but like we we analyze things to a point where it's like then we're going to hold them to the same more responsibility as as priests because now they're complicit in this and if there are times like that's like again there are times where actually no they are complicit they actually purposely hide them or whatever that's bad yeah. but there's also like oh i got this information but i didn't get enough that i can act on it and there was no way to get more information well that's mm-hmm. different and and i don't yeah. know if you can mm-hmm. what can you do with that as like so like there's just like a sadness in me that nothing's actually changing mm-hmm. and then and so I feel this need for support in my priesthood, not just like from the parish, but like just and friends and stuff like this, because it gets you to think at times, and it's not a questioning of vocation, but it's just the sense of like, what did I get my life up for? Everything I've done for people is such that they just want to kick and scream sometimes because things aren't going my way in my parish anymore after I've left. Yeah, 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 yeah. That hurts me. That hurts me as a priest. Honestly, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and again, I'm not I'm not trying to lay blame, lay blame on them necessarily. Cause, like, there's probably something in me that I, I need to reflect on, but that's like where my kind of heart is right now. And I think we yeah. need to we need to be honest about these things and this sadness and this woundedness because it's it's. I was really hopeful that we would get past all this. I mean, like, it, and there are hopeful signs, right? There is less abuse stuff in the church now than there used to be. It seems. Um, it, it seems in one sense we turned a corner, but in another sense we haven't because now it's like I just thought. I would. I thought seminaries would have learned their lessons, but apparently they haven't. Yeah. I, I have five or six guys I went to seminary with who've all left priesthood mm-hmm. in their first seven years. Oh yeah, uh, there's a, a. It happens a lot more than yeah, I think half you a dozen realize. guys. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's so like a handful of guys it's, it's in my been all over the place. But like that's kind of this is why I I think I was like I want to go into this. Like this is kind of why I got a little heated about that. Stuff. I'm not trying to yeah. discount the original question. I really hope and pray that the person who asked the question isn't <laughs> angry at me. This is not. This is not. This is not Dallas's fault. Not Dallas's fault at all. Both the city yeah. and the person. Um, yes, it's it's, it's it's something that is very raw for me right now. So, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, 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 I totally, I totally, totally see that. Um, and, uh, oh my gosh, so many thoughts. Um, so a few, a few things, you know, I, I'm been very critical so far this podcast. Um, and, and part of that is certainly the fact that like, I have let people down because my own mediocrity, either because of laziness or of not paying attention yeah, or of selfishness, you know? Um, so I, I am far from a, a perfect priest. I don't want to pretend like, you know, otherwise, hmm. um, but uh and nor nor you know with what i am about to say um do i anyway regret my priesthood i do love being a priest i'm particularly yes, blessed in my parish right now um but even even in the more difficult assignments i would i was still always happy to be um a priest huh. um but there's just you know th it's not just with the the uh continuing abuse and maybe part of that is that at least when it happens we're being made aware of it uh, which is kind of a two-edged sword, you know? Um, sometimes, yeah. Yeah, sometimes. More, more so now, at least. Yeah, more so now. Uh, but also, it's like, I I am, I get this um, feeling, um, and I think it's it, there's evidence rooted in it, but, like, I feel as if um, there is, and I don't want to make this generational war thing, this is just my experience, okay? That everything... Like uh, that. Ever since seminary, I feel it as a young priest as well. Is that this new generation of priests? Well, certainly not perfect, and I would not. You know, we've right. Um, is is still seen as a threat to what the previous generation has quote unquote built, mm -hmm. and that you know things that we care about are always seen with suspicion, and mm -hmm. there is very little effort to understand where we're coming from or why we're coming from. It's just assumed that we are these uh, zealous conservatives. And anyone who's listened to our podcast knows that there are many things that we are not zealously conservative about, um, but other things that, you know, maybe uh, people consider we are. But instead of, you know, um, walking with me and supporting me that, or just trying to figure out where I'm coming from, or having some mm -hmm. sort of open dialogue, which you give to everybody else that you like, but not me, um, is mm -hmm. very frustrating right now, you know, with uh, yeah. liturgical stuff right now in the, in the greater church. Um, with uh, um, the, the refusal to, I think this is also a societal problem, uh, of refusal of a, a generation to give up power. Um, I mean, look at the two people who are, who are running for president in the United States, how, how freaking old they are, right? And it, it's, it's happening in the church as well, where it's like, um, I remember distinctly going to a conference, like a gathering of priests in my diocese, um, and the, the, the theme of it this summer was before you did all this reorganizing was, um, building for a future that is not your own. And I'm looking around the table with my buddies. I'm like, this is my future that you are so-called building. And I would like a little bit more say in it. Um, and I'm not saying that everything we yeah. have to say or do is perfect. And there's going to be, right. you know, have to be reforms among us as well. But being looked at with constant suspicion or just being ignored as a, and it feels like more and more there is a last gasp effort from a certain generation. And not all, definitely not all. But Alaska's effort to like solidify their vision of of church, which is incredibly frustrating to me, because I grew up in that and I saw a lot of good things, also a lot of bad things. Um, you know, I became a priest because I, I wanted to help on some very basic level, and the fact that that's not being acknowledged, I think a lot of young guys feel that way. Um, and and like you said, we're being thrown into more difficult assignments than a lot of these guys have ever had. Um, being made pastor as young as you are um, in a diocese with not a lot of priests. Um, there are guys who have been ordained less than I have that are pastors in my diocese. Um, it's it's incredibly difficult um, right now. And also a lot of times we have to... <sighs> okay, so... And, and what makes it frustrating is I don't want to blame the previous generation for all our problems because that's that would be incredibly naive. Um, and not that they didn't face their own unique challenges that I probably would not be able to make it through, right? But for example, you know, there, there, generic example, there'd be um, a funeral from a person who hasn't been to mass in a long time, um, and they want some ridiculous 
inappropriate music or they want um, to give a eulogy that is um, not in accordance with the faith. And they're utterly confused why we will not allow this because Father So-and-so would have allowed this before. Um, right. and, th and that's one of the difficult poisons to deal with in that it'd be easy if everything previous priests did was wrong, but it wasn't. A lot of times they really, and mo I think most of the times, they really loved their people and wanted to serve them the best way they could. But formation was lacking in a certain way. So people are very much attached to those ideas because they received some very significant good out of it. But now what do I do with that? How do I pastorally reach people who who, who barely even come to mass? Like there's, I mean, that's just one example of uh, the weird challenges of being a priest right now. There's a lot of weird challenges. Um, and uh, I feel like sometimes we're just being thrown to the wolves with this. Yeah. So that's why I'm frustrated. And that's why I'm like, you know what? Go wherever you want to, people. Go, go. I don't right. care. Just go be happy. Yes. That's not the healthiest way to approach things. This is where different ecclesial spirits come into play too, right? Like the different local churches. Mm -hmm. Like we had because of some things in our past, like in terms of like decisions in our diet, that was way, way before my time, even before I was born. In yeah. Uh, many degrees. Uh, uh, we're, we're missing a whole generation of priests in my diocese. Like literally, we have a whole gap of a generation. Yeah. It's like me and another guy. And then, well, then, although we have a guy being ordained next summer, he'll be 28, I think. So that's good. Uh, but that he's 20, he's 12 years younger than the next youngest guys, me and Father David, <laughs> which yeah. is like yeah, telling yeah. you something, right? And then, and then between me and mm -hmm. Father David, the next youngest guy is 55. Wow. Yeah. That's like a 20 year gap. <laughs> Yes. So that's the generational gap there. And that's, 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 I, I look at that with fear and trembling because I just know, mm -hmm. I, I just see what's coming down the pike for me as a priest here. And I, I, yep. I kind of knew this when I went to seminary, right? Um, yeah. And I actually, I just texted someone, a priest friend who had said, I need to come on your podcast at some point. And then I uh, said, then no. Talking, like, we actually do need to bring him on. Actually, no. We actually did bring him on because he, he's he's a more I'm not gonna say older he's a more experienced priest yeah uh, who understands our perspective on things and I think he even tries to implement a lot of these things in his own parish but also I mm -hmm. think because of his experience will know some of these other issues talk about I think it's good be to hear yeah. from that so I think it'd be good to try and do that one day just because I think this is important it's important for people under like because I think one of the good things about this discussion right now right, it's not this I'm not trying to make this a pity party or anything like that no no no, no. but I think we're trying to give voice and it's important for people to understand this this is giving you a bit of a voice I think a lot of priests our generation are actually going through in an existential way right now and it's important and it's hard to share that stuff from the pulpit and it's maybe not been a necessary from the pulpit mm -hmm. um yeah nowhere to be uh, it'd be hard to do that in an appropriate way if right exactly right yeah, so you know, you, i yeah. mean like i i i think this is the better venue for a discussion like this mm -hmm. um and so that you can understand maybe what where things are at <laughs> um i know like for me what's exhausting is I want to put this like we're trying to hold up something that is feeling like it's crumbling mm -hmm. <laughs> to the best of our ability, like in a sense of like it's crumbling, but you want to try and save something so it doesn't all fall to nothing. Yeah, because um, there's stuff right? that's good there. So you need the, the thing. You know, the scaffolding is falling down. Let's try and keep the essential of the scaffolding together so we can rebuild from there. But it's very exhausting. It's very mm -hmm. tiring. And this is where I do think, like, this is, like, it is interesting because I've noticed, like, I think this is where it surprises a lot of people on my end, at least. My, I don't know if it's just a generational thing or not, but, like, I actually really do try to put the responsibility back on people. Oh, you want this? Great. Are you gonna Are you gonna implement it, or are you gonna find someone to implement it? Well, no, you're gonna do that. I'm like, that's not my job. Right, like, yeah. actually, not my it job. Can't be because I got to. But this is. I am now. But they've all been trained to think that everything has to go through the priest at all times. Yeah, and so I don't blame them either. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to gently guide them to think differently about because good administration, in my opinion, is not making all the decisions, but getting people in place to make decisions for you that you don't absolutely need to make. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to structure things that way. Um, 
I think it's important. And it was actually Bishop Scott McCaig, uh, his stuff on charisms that really, really got going on this. And I've been really appreciative of it, actually. It's actually helped me to see, like, no, there is a freedom. And it's not about laziness. It's about actually trying to free up my time. So, yeah, do you want, I want to do more pastoral business. I want mm-hmm. to be able to teach more. I, I, I want to exercise. I've not been exercising. I don't have time. I do not have time right now to exercise. Yeah. I'm trying to make time, but it's like I don't have time right now, honestly. I can take time for that thing so I can be a good priest. Um, but it's exhausting trying to hold it all up. And then more things are thrust our way, more battles, more policies, more safe environment stuff, which is important. Like, I'm not saying it's not important, but it's like it's exhausting at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, important, yeah. but it's exhausting. And I'm okay with bearing it, because, but it, it's because it's, I recognize that that's also part of the church. We have to, and this kind of gets back to my original perspective on things, is part of being in the church is that when one member suffers, all suffer, right? We got to be very Pauline mm-hmm, here, mm-hmm, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I have to suffer the sins of other priests mm-hmm. who have done horrible things. And honestly, it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. It's tiring. It's soul-destroying. But I'm willing to enter into that. Mm-hmm. Because I love my people and they deserve priests who try to make a place safe, etc. I think where I worry though is like sometimes in that ecclesial climate is what if I make I for you know I don't act on a timely fashion on something or nothing like abusive but like I don't know a boundary violate I don't know whatever something. Am I going to get raked over the coals because of that? I feel like I will be, and that mm-hmm. puts fear in my heart because there's no room for mistakes anymore. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not saying I, I gotta be careful. I'm trying, I'm trying not to say like there's something different between like making a mistake in judgment and a process of how to deal with them, something more lower and like an yeah, actual abuse. abuse. You, you act right away. A, you you a, make the diocese. No, it's all a very different yeah. thing. I'm not, I'm not, but like that's the whole point is there is a distinction. There's a moral distinction. But we're treating all these things like they're the same moral weight. And it's just, it's not like I've even had to necessarily have to act on anything. It's just, it's just the idea that I might make a mistake because I will probably because I am not a good I'm not good at organizing my time and my mm-hmm. my energies and my workload. I'm always gonna I've accepted I'm always gonna suck at this. And yeah. I'm going or, to like, make mistakes mm-hmm. in judgment and I'm gonna get raked over the coals because of of a mis- of a small mistake that actually I think does not deserve the moral scrutiny it, it gets. Yeah. Or, or, there are some maybe, things that deserve that moral scrutiny about this. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Like, for, I mean, I'll, I'll give an example. It was um, uh, this happened some weeks ago. I don't know, it may have been months ago, where um, I'm in the sacristy with a bunch of altar servers, and these are altar yeah. servers I've you know joked with. They're very, they're good. I know their families. They they're comfortable around me. But all of a sudden, I realized that I was the only adult in the sacristy with yeah. like these four altar servers, and I panicked. I immediately like ran, yes, opened yes, the doors, exactly, exactly. left the sacristy, right? And like, there's something that's un- like inhuman about that, where it was yeah. perfectly fine and um, normal interaction. Uh, but because of the world we live in, you can't do that anymore. Or even like, you know, not to, um, my, uh, my niece came uh, to our parish festival and uh, I had fun, like, kind of, like, you know, showing her around and stuff and holding her. But there's this weird part in the back of my brain that's, like, I hope everyone knows that this is my niece, not just some random kid I'm holding, right? You know? And, and most people did. Yeah. And, and for all I yeah, know, yeah, everyone yeah. did. And everyone thought she was cute and wonderful and because it, it was, you know? But, like, there's that yeah. thing in the back of your brain. Um, so so there is, you know, some of that that you're, you just you still get worried about, um, which is exhausting. Like, most people, like... Most people in parishes are normal, good human beings who understand normal human interactions. Um, but you just, right. you know, uh, yeah. Uh, also, I want to say yeah. another thing because I, I, I was trashing an older generation. Um, in my small group, yeah. most of the guys in my small group are uh, uh, of an older generation. And if it wasn't for them, I would have jumped off a building by now. Like the way that they have cared for me right. and, and um, you know, loved me and supported my priesthood, I am indebted for forever. Um, also, like... Yeah. At the beginning of meeting with that small group seven years ago, uh, there were guys I would have dismissed out of hand because their theological views, whatever. Um, and now right. I love them, respect them uh, more than a lot of guys that I agree with theologically or liturgically. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't want to like throw everyone under the bus. That would be incredibly wrong of me to do. Um, right. And it's it's tough to have these I'm conversations. Tr- and I, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying. To, I'm yeah. not trying to throw all the laity under the bus either. I was just like, no, not like, at all. Be, be, 
these are all things we need to be talking about more. But it's hard to have the time because yeah. like, none of us have time to do any of this stuff anymore, right? That's all the crappiness mm -hmm. of it all. Yeah, I mean, lady, I mean, 90% of the time is the best part of this gig, you know, are the, yes. the people and the families, the interactions, yeah. the crazy ones, exactly. the fun ones, you know? Um, yeah. Even being with people in those difficult, tragic ones, like that's part of, if you don't love people, then you should not be a priest. Uh, I say this as an introvert. Um, uh, so yeah, absolutely. And I think most people in the parish will, do love us and support us as much as they can and must know how to, you know? Um, but it, it is one of those things when you're, when you're dealing with all those um, worries in the back of your head and uh, just the, you know, uh, you, you read the pillar too much and then you, you hear about Father Alex Crow and all this other stuff. And then all of a sudden, the guy in the back of the parish says, hey, you should call the uh, police to get this thing done. Um, those yep. are moments where you might snap. You might Your brain breaks a little bit. And it's, and it's yep. In a certain sense, it's almost nobody's fault. You know, it's not even that guy's fault. Yeah. But it, it's those crazy sort of moments that you have to, like, endure. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's um, yeah, I hope people... Um, can appreciate like uh, the vulnerability that we're trying to engage with today. It's not meant to be critical. It made no. start off that way. I need to apologize it did about it for that. me as well. More. <laughs> like, we both realized, oh, we're really angry about stuff. Maybe we should calm down and talk about it more. Yeah, yeah. but that's this is where it's all coming from, right? And yeah. trying to work it out, right? And I'm an external processor, and so I apologize right now if my earlier comments maybe were too hot. And hopefully, maybe Nick, <laughs> after listening to this episode, might have some mercy and say, I'm going to just take this little part out. Um, or I'm going to step <laughs> in and say, well, listen, or he might say, hey, folks, listen later on, and you'll see where it's coming from, and, and it's all good. But it's just yeah. need part of the process, right? I had a very angry conversation with a friend last night, and I calmed down through it. And actually, it was helpful. I actually came around to his perspective on things, but it was me trying to work him. I had to make a distinction between my own kind of woundedness around some things and what he was trying to do with this for him and his family and i'm like oh yeah no what you're doing is actually totally different than what i'm angry about yeah and, and i'm fine with this but i had to go through that with him i'm actually really grateful for him as a friend because of that and that's a good like, yeah. that's the thing i need to, i need to hear that from my friends too like i i try to mm -hmm. i try so hard and we're and, and it's like i just i guess at the heart of it is this there needs to be more mercy in the world and in the church yeah okay and we need to be a lot more patient with each other's weaknesses. Mm -hmm. I will say that I think one thing I'm proud of in my own parish right now is I know I have a lot of people of differing perspectives. And there are people in my parish I do not agree with on things on all sides. But yeah. unless it's like, unless it feels a very minor category on things, I'm very hesitant to remove anybody from a ministry or anything like this because I don't like what they're saying or doing. I may not like right. the form of it, doing anything contrary to the faith either so who am i to just go in and say to you know you know jane smith who's been a parishioner for 50 years you're not teaching this anymore or you're not doing that ministry anymore because i don't like the way you, i don't just don't like the way you do it even yeah. though it's like not contrary to the faith it's like no that's a jerk if i do that yeah and i've been fine it's a lot of work it is mm -hmm. it takes a lot of time to work with people through these things and you try to engage it's not saying i don't engage them on this i just oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. have to give them a lot of rope and i've seen a lot of communion be built in the parish because I've tried very hard to not kick people out of things. Right. And I think that's a good thing. And I think that's something we all need to do in the church though, too, is let's have patience with one another. And I pray that my patience, I try to show to people I might not agree with on something might be reciprocated once in a mm -hmm. while. Right. And I think it is actually, I think yeah. it is in my parish at least I feel it generally. Um, I think we need more mercy, more patience with one another and realize we're all trying to see Jesus in all this and that that's the heart of it. And that that's always should be the first thing we're talking about in, in our conversations and our frustrations. Mm -hmm. Good talk. Cool. All right. Hey, guys. Thank you for listening. If you're still listening. Yeah, thank you for listening. Um, <laughs> maybe next week I'll just pick like a a, a very cut and. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, let me get back to my screen. Thank you for listening. Please leave a review. Yeah, thank you for listening. Please leave a review on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast. Tell your enemies too, because Jesus says we must love our enemies. You can find me. Not doing as much work as Father Harrison today. <laughs> you can find me on X at, at FR Harrison. 
Contact the podcast and see, receive updates at Clerical Pod on X. It just feels like we're it's a, it feels know, like a dirty weird. website when you say X. Find us on Facebook, YouTube, or email us at clericalspeak at gmail.com. Uh, we've got a lot of good theological emergencies. Keep them coming. It's a fun part of the show. It, it formed the whole show today, so keep them coming. Yeah. Thanks, Dallas. <laughs> Call 412-912-7995. 412-912-7995. Peace. God bless.